0: To Callum and David's Any Requests podcast, this is, of course, our regular Patreon podcast where you, the listener, can donate £5 a month and get us through a podcast on absolutely anything you need us to do with all your heart and soul. Oh, you did
1: it again. You switched up the ending. Did you I thought it was going to be a 100% regular mm-hmm. and then, all just reminding everyone that it's live.
0: Fooled you. <laughs>
1: Fooled you. It's not live. Uh, no, but we record for, it live. For it's, us, it's, it's like, life. it's recorded live. Isn't everything? Well, the thing that we're doing this podcast on, mm. that was, we were watching a live recording, but mm. we weren't watching it as it was happening. No. So we're still watching it, live. and you're listening to this in your ears, yeah. you're listening to this, but, un, you know, unedited and, and, and raw. Uh, But also, I've just realised that anyone who is listening to this already knows that it's unedited and raw, because if they wanted a better quality podcast, they'd go to BBC Sounds Um, and uh, and have it all snipped together in neat little packages. But we don't do that here, because, you know, we're punks. We are. We're like punk, punk radio. Punk
0: pirate radio. Yeah,
1: we are. We're like Kiss FM in the early 90s. We're, yeah.
0: Aren't we? We're very similar to Kiss FM <laughs> On a lot of different levels Yeah, absolutely
1: um, This week, mm. I've already given you a little taster a little, a um, uh, And I don't know why, because you know what it is Because you would have clicked on it <laughs> yeah, So I don't know why I'm being coy
0: You've read the title and, but, You've read the title And you would
1: probably gone, oh yeah, alright oh, I quite like that subject, I'll be into yeah. that um, So you'll know that this week Our uh, request is uh, Well, you might not know who it's from So I can lead in with that mm. It's from
0: the lovely Tristan It is indeed. I was also just thinking, actually, we are making an assumption because some people might be, you know, uh, uh, listening, um, like, like binging a few episodes a time and just letting it, like, autoplay on Spotify ah. and haven't even it's just gone on to the next one yeah. and they don't even know yet.
1: Because that's what people do, isn't it? When they listen mm. to our podcast, they go, oh, I just want to sit down and binge a load of podcasts macabre and mm. I just want to, you know, loads of random subjects. Oh, absolutely. That's, yeah, I think most of our listenership comes from podcast binging. That's what Adam does. I mean, to be honest, if Adam, if you're listening, we know that you've been listening to probably old episodes. Just <laughs> again and again, you are our biggest fan. Thank you. We love you. Don't stop being a fan. Um, yeah. So Tristan, uh, who's a regular um, Patreon of ours, Absolutely. done quite a few different quests. Often his requests are, revolve around music. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, Music often... or terrible uh, films
0: about bodyguards <laughs> yeah. and future sports.
1: Yeah. And I think we've got another one bodyguard related, haven't we, mm. coming up. Yeah. Um, which would be interesting from Tristan. But I really, really like this. It's quite an interesting um, thing that I wouldn't necessarily have thought uh, of of ever kind of looking at or investigating.
0: And absolutely, and before we dive into it, um, a big shout out as well to Tristan, who has just become a father for the second time.
1: Hey.
0: Absolutely. You're
1: a father again. Again,
0: yeah. Or still. Happy two kids to you. And a dog. And a dog. Yeah. Morris is my favourite of all of the Tristan clan.
1: Yeah, you, you love you have a weird relationship with it. Is't like that the only dog you like, is it? It's literally the only dog I like in the whole world. Do you think that in the hierarchy of people in the Tristan clan, mm-hmm. Morris still comes above the newborn baby?
0: I think more I think Morris is is the alpha of, of well, yeah, the whole family,
1: of course. yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah,
0: congratulations,
1: Tristan. So uh, maybe you're listening to this with a uh, a little child on your arms, crying, being sick all over you. Um Defecating. All of those wonderful things that will
0: occupy your life for the next few months. And many of those things, of course, uh Mark Knopfler was famous for doing. He was um, famous <laughs> for doing. What a lovely segue. Yeah. Uh, as was we... he? No. I mean, he wasn't really known as the bad boy no, of rock and roll. Pretty much the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the opposite. Um, But yes, we are talking today about the wonderful uh Dire Straits and specifically their alchemy 1983 live uh concert uh that was at the hammersmith odeon uh you may now know it as the eventum apollo
1: of yeah course. oh well at the hammersmith apollo and then the Eventim apollo mm-hmm. wasn't it yeah, yeah absolutely. um although i think it's pretty much owned by phil mcintyre comedy now <laughs> yeah just yeah. His. he just puts whatever the star he wants in there yeah but great venue and it's been home to so many iconic performances uh both british and american bands um the one <laughs> i came to mind first really <laughs> intriguing was the spinal tap live concert um it's a fantastic yep. recording yep. at hammersmith Bolo. yeah or a um hameo
0: as people used to call it affectionately did a they hameo. oh yeah. okay the Hamio. Yeah. yeah
1: uh yeah fantastic um radiohead amazing mm-hmm. um uh, live recording there of their early stuff um yeah, uh, it's a fantastic venue and fantastic kind of legacy of um, of brilliant live recorded uh, films and and alchemy is I would say you know no exception to that
0: rule. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Tristan asked us kind of specifically to look at at, at two uh, uh, per performances, two tracks from the. Uh... Live gig, um, but we actually managed to find the whole thing on uh, Sky yep. Arts. Shout out to Sky Arts, which uh, has six hundred and eighty-one different uh, TV shows, concerts, films. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, all arts and culture related. Really, so, really good. And also,
1: not owned by Murdoch anymore, is it? No. So you don't have to worry about giving money mm. to the horrible Rupert Murdoch, mm. which is great. All oh, political, early oh. on. Oh. Oh. Um,
0: so yeah, so we we we're actually going to kind of give an overview of the whole thing but but we'll we'll kind of focus as tristan said on on uh specifically sultans of of swing and telegraph road um which is fantastic two tracks. that kind of stood out for him um and then he's also asked us at the end to have a little just general chat about um any kind of uh live uh acts that we'd like to see that's on our wish list um because i think yeah this this is a particularly great example of uh uh uh, how magical a kind of live experience of seeing a band can be and i think dire straits were a band in particular that really embraced um making the live experience different to listening to the cd mm-hmm. and adding fun bits and new bits and changing things around for live audiences and live gigs um and kind of yeah very much known as being a real kind of live band
1: Yeah, which kind of brings me to my my first kind of point of of interest, really, because it wasn't until I was doing a bit of research for this that Mm -hmm. I uh, learned that dire straits um, cut their kind of teeth, uh, well, got their reputation for being a kind of great uh, live act, um, whilst being a regular opener for talking heads yeah um apparently in the 1978 tour they they started opening for them and their shows got a bit bigger and a bit more theatrical and mark Knopfler really lent into uh even more the kind of showman showman aspect of his um musical persona
0: yeah absolutely yeah so i guess yeah a a bit of background for those you don't know dire straits uh i think started was it 73 somewhere around there yeah um uh, um, when uh, yeah, it was uh, Mark Knopfler and his brother David Knopfler. So it was
1: actually Dave Knopfler who who put the band together. He introduced yeah. um, uh, Mark to uh, bassist John Ilesley, yeah. or Ilesley, um, and uh, kind of a couple of other musicians up in Newcastle. Um, well,
0: it was I believe they formed in London. They were both from Newcastle, and then Ilesley and um, uh, the uh. Pick Withers, or, yes, Pick drummer. Withers. Thank you. Uh, were from Leicestershire, but all four of them were in London mm. at the time. I think. Sorry, they, yeah, yeah, they you're formed quite right. in in London.
1: Um, and I think John Ilsley had a had a uh, an eight track recorder mm. that Mark wanted to use, and Dave said, "I oh, will come round," and and the kind of band was kind of formed. Yeah. Um, as a result of that, I always think worth mentioning because I think Dave Knopfler is quite rightly quite bitter about the fact that he. Um, was pushed out of the band after the third album. Yeah,
0: they had a huge falling out, didn't they, in the early 80s? And, yeah, like, yeah, there's a
1: great documentary, if you're interested in this, um, on uh, the BBC did a few years ago, on Brothers of Rock. Mm. Um, I think they actually called it Brothers in Arms, the irony <laughs> being that, that Dave Knopfler never featured <laughs> no, on that album. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you, you know, you've got Liam and Noel, and you've got... Um, Ray and Dave Ray Davis, and Dave so Davis. Yeah. Um, and you've got Mark Knopfler and Dave Knopfler and Dave Knopfler talking quite a lot to camera about kind of... What happened there and Mark Knopfler not coming across particularly well uh, in his own interview. But yeah, a lot of brotherly uh, tension, Mm -hmm. as it was described. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Dave Knopfler uh, kind of is on the third album um, and then halfway through kind of recording that leaves um, and is not credited as being on the album um, I think they, they brought in quite you know a lot of the rhythm guitar parts Mark insisted on recording himself which yeah. I think was one of the reasons why yeah. Dave was annoyed so sadly uh, uh, Dave Knopfler not featuring uh, in Alchemy yeah. um, of course but I think a lot of the legacy um, uh, of Dave Knopfler is very much in anything to do with Dire Straits um, so quite rightly he was inducted with Dire Straits to the Rock and Roll mm-hmm. Hall of Fame and, and yeah. it's acknowledged as being an important part of that band
0: Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so this this uh, live concert came um, shortly after the release of their fourth album, I believe. Uh, yeah. Love over gold. Love over gold. Yes. Um, and uh, so so yeah, their 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 kind of first album without Dave. Um, although I think there was a little bit of controversy because I think he he does appear on that album, but because of the argument, they they refused to credit him, and I know there was something a bit dodgy about that it's yeah, yeah it's he'd, kind he'd of done a few early recordings and some of it did make its way onto the album but because dave and mark weren't talking mark refused to put his name on it and yeah like you say all very kind of all very liam and Noel.
1: <laughs> yeah it is it is very yeah it's kind of a a tale as old as time really mm. or, um in the sense that the, the brothers uh often that rivalry is is there especially Cain huh? and Abel. Cain and Abel first. started it all, they really. Um, Undertaker yeah. and Cain. Uh, yeah, would be the other one. But that was also because Cain was a much better guitarist than Abel, and <laughs> Abel got really <laughs> fed was. up with Cain uh, taking all yeah. of that uh, kind of fame and fortune. That no, is true. Um, so again, not dissimilar. No. Um, yep. When you when you draw those parallels, parables. parables. <laughs> 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 Terrible pun. Uh, so yeah, so we have this um, kind of uh, amazing lineup. You have no, no longer do you have the drummer um, Pick Withers. What it, a great name, Pick Withers. Is Pick Withers. Great. Yeah. Um, uh, he went on to drum with a couple of other bands. Um, uh, he was replaced during, I think it was the album making movies. Yeah. Um, because they just went oh we don't really like your drum tracks on this so they got a jazz drummer in to re-record all the songs except for one of the intros to yeah. it, is it a number
0: someone williams
1: um so in this one terry williams terry williams yeah, who who stays with uh Dire Straits pretty much from 1980 to 85 yeah um and is uh an absolute stalwart centerpiece star for me in in this uh, concert yeah. alchemy yeah uh, he's phenomenal. Um, so yeah, the lineup at the moment is um, Mark Knopfler, of course, on lead guitar and vocals. Um, Hal Linders on rhythm guitar, who looks like just having the time of his life. Yeah. He looks about 22, as 80s as you could possibly yeah. imagine. Um, dancing away with John Eelsley on bass. Um, Terry Williams on drums. And Alan Clarke uh, taking the majority of the keys parts. But al- although he is um, ably supported by a guy called Tony Mandel. Um, who's a, a brilliant rock uh, keys player? Played with the likes of Brian Adams mm-hmm. uh, hugely and Bob Dylan as well. Um, you don't really see any of Tony Mandel. He's kind of put to the. You see him from the wide yes, shots, yeah. but the focus is on. Is yeah. um, very much on Alan Clark. But Alan Clark's one I, I want to talk uh, about a lot as well as yeah. we go through the concert uh, and particularly focusing on the two tracks that Tristan's asked us to look at.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and I think one of the really nice things about uh, looking at Dire Straits from from a live perspective is I think they are a band that often, um, uh, understandably because of his sound and his genius, but I think slightly unfairly get something is it kind of being Mark Knopfler and his backing band. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think when you watch them play live, you realise just how instrumental, pardon the pun, the other <laughs> members of the band are. Um, yeah. and, and, and actually something... I um want to speak to is is Mark Knopfler's performance in this um uh uh, concert is incredibly generous and very modest and he's always kind of uh, it feels like he's really collaborating with with them and giving them the time to kind of step forward and have their moments and and he, it uh, feels like there's very little ego coming from him in this concert, which is. I,
1: I completely nice. agree. I think um, he comes across in this concert concert far nicer than he does in any of the interviews <laughs> yeah. or masterclasses that I've I've watched him in over the years. Um, I mean, none of those masterclasses take away from the fact that he's excellent yeah. and uh quite pioneering yeah and a huge kind of part of british rock music but um but also he doesn't necessarily come across as the, uh, the the most modest man in the world how having said that as as a musician a big part of your your role is knowing what other members of your band bring to the concert and you can see yeah. it's demonstrable um yeah. his his the the homage he's paying to the people who are creating that sound with him. I yeah. think you see that particularly when he invites Mel Collins onto the stage yeah. to play saxophone. I think it's on a, a track called Two Lovers. Yeah. Um, which again, I, I, I'd love to talk a little bit, bit about, but but um, he, he really kind of says, you know, gestures, takes the stage, you know, hands off to him uh, when he finishes his solo and the crowd take that cue and give him a round of applause. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Generous, modest uh, musicianship. Um, absolutely. So I suppose, how do you want to do this? Do you want to kind of go through um, kind of songs that that you felt had kind of cool moments in them, and then yeah. and then as we get to Sultans of Swing, focus on that, and and the same with Telegraph Road.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so um, uh, we open with Once Upon a Time in the West, I believe. Which yes, is um, yeah a really lovely way to open, and 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 in general, I think the. Um, set list structure is is spot on for this whole concert in terms yeah. of the journey it takes you on in terms of when he puts the slightly slower ones in when he speaks up he he's thought incredibly carefully about the um the journey the, the audience ju- yeah and... the emotional kind of an hour journey that 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 the audience have um it's it's interesting i'm um uh about to embark on a really exciting new job in the next couple of months and i was um and it's Related to working in, in a um, kind of live venue, and uh, I was talking to uh, someone I'm going to be working with there about um, like the psychology of um, live acts in the music, and, and and about that there's been kind of scientific tests done about like what when you put a slow song when you put a fast over the duration of a concert um uh. in order to what's going to make people buy more money spend more money at the bar what's going to make people feel this way feel that way and specific wow. and 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 it generally is that kind of thing about you know it's it's like fast fast slow fast which i think mm-hmm. is, the, is the general kind of uh yeah rule of it which you see they they kind of do here and they they know when to bring it down and when to run yeah the 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 rise and fall of the of the, of the whole concert is great and i think opening with Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a real kind of kicking um, sort of classic rock, um, but real homage to that sort of roots roots and blues that I think underpin a lot of Dire Straits. Um, yeah, very, very much so. Which um, I think is a really interesting thing to remember when you're talking about a band that are coming out really in the midst of punk and and almost feel like a deliberate antithesis of what's happening in British music at that time and that's quite a brave thing to do um you know we 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 decry it a lot in music today but it's something that's been going on for decades and decades which which is you know when when a particular piece of music hits the zeitgeist you have a hundred of those kind of but you know like remember when ed sheeran hit it big 10 years ago and you couldn't turn on radio one all day it's just indie singer songwriters yeah. with guitars you know and 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 and, it, and it, that's only just kind of coming out and i'm personally really excited at the moment because we're having a real 1980s resurgence which is great yeah. people like the weekend and and so uh,
1: it is a renaissance yeah, yeah it's, it's really exciting because
0: I, I i love that kind of music so there's some really great stuff uh coming out at the moment i think with that but in the midst of the 70s but you know with with the kind of rise of the sex pistols and the clash and people like that you you had you know every band was trying to be the next Then, and yeah. there's something to be said i think for the bravery of Straits coming out and and going we're gonna do this kind of you know new orleans jazz blues influenced kind of swampy uh old rock elements of country in there um yeah i think
1: there's he he does this a few times not flirt throughout this set but certainly you see it all the time in in the albums where he harks back to where his love of of music kind of comes from and you know he talked he talks about newcastle and he talks about the influences of bands like the animals and um all that kind of late 50s 60s stuff um that that inspired him you know 25 years before yeah. he got to this concert but you get a real sense of that americana yeah. and that um that storytelling that he that he loves and i think you really see that in once upon a time in the west um there's also you know what if uh, bob dylan had been british and was talking about the british landscape and suddenly yeah. you kind of drawn to west scotland which is very yeah. much where Knopfler and both Knopflers were born yeah. uh, before they moved down to Newcastle and then further down to London so you've got this real uh, sense of the, the kind of British landscape in there as well.
0: Well I think you would probably find a lot of Americans surprised to learn that dire Straits were a British band because yes. they 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 do embody that Americana so much and also they found a lot of success in the states kind of before they were really huge in Britain you know yeah. especially when we talk about Sultans of swing um was was really odd because it didn't really hit here when they released it here released it in america huge hit to the point it was re-released was back say, here yeah. and then was a hit but so it's, it's 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 interesting that that they they kind of found their feet in the states um so i think yeah you 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 probably find quite a lot of people go oh my god i never knew they were british because yeah. they they just have that american sound They i mean talk about telegraph road is an absolute lament for the death of the american dream you know when you listen to those lyrics um yeah so it's yeah and 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 I think uh uh Once Upon a Time the West obviously incredibly imbued with American culture um
1: and it has this this you know Bob Dylan thing actually I always always say if you're trying to do a Bob Dylan if you can do a Mark Knopfler you can do a Bob Dylan because (laughs) because there's such a similarity in kind of the affectation of this voice which isn't isn't quite British isn't quite American it's got this kind of uh this kind of talking no, tone. It's
0: it's it's exactly what it is. It's Bob Geldof doing a Bob Dylan impression.
1: Oh my goodness! Yes, you've nailed it. <laughs> that,
0: that's it. Yeah, and that's how you get to Mark Knopfler. Yeah. Um. um but it, yeah, I I um, I and and I think we have to before we go any further just talk about his sound because he is, as we talk about all the time, he is one mm-hmm. of those guitarists that you recognise by playing one note for sure. And 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 it's just I I adore the sound he makes and and i mean i'm i'm myself personally slightly more partial to the kind of uh, brothers in arms kind of later 80s stuff mm-hmm. when it gets a little bit more experimental. i mean brothers in arms the song is is i think my favorite um it's a, it's a classic song. uh and uh, and i just yeah when 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 that kind of later stuff um before they split up was really experimental and and these beautiful long soaring kind of guitar solos that he did that that almost feel like you know kind of uh jeff beck-esque or or gary moore or those kind of guys that that yeah use their guitars to kind of wail and sing and and i think you you see absolute elements of that in this this live concert
1: it's interesting when you when you think about people like jeff beck that you mentioned um there's you know some things that they have in common but i think mark knopfler guitar wise um is really known for his picking style yeah he he plays every single note in this concert without a plectrum in his hand yeah everything is 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 finger picking very much in a bluegrass country and western style that's Mm -hmm. the way he plays a guitar which he talks about kind of discovering accidentally, no one taught him, but he got frustrated with the fact that he couldn't pick out melodies on the guitar and play chords. So suddenly he used his other fingers, threw away the practum and ended up with this, um, especially writing songs on acoustic guitars, you can see that. But then instead of coming into the studio with his Schechter Stratocaster, which again helps that unique sound because he's not playing the same Stratocaster everyone else's. He's playing a Stratocaster made by a company called Schecter, who specialised in replacing the parts of old Stratocasters. Mm-hmm. So his Stratocaster is a is a particular combination of several different old Stratocasters throughout the years. Being bearing in mind that Strats have been around for you know forty years at this point or thirty years at this point, um, you know there's a there's an amazing unique um, list of components. That no, and people might have played a Schechter Stratocaster before, but no one ever played it in a finger picking style. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of several different things coming together that create this Mark Knopfler sound. And then I don't know what he does with this pedal board, but I'm sure there's a bit of that that comes in. But it's kind of it's very clean; never really goes to that distortion. Not really until you get to songs like "Money for Nothing" and yeah. his collaboration with Sting and yeah. that kind of um, stuff, which is you know much later. Um, but everything on, on Alchemy um, is is very clean and very exposing. Yeah. Which I find, especially when you're watching a live thing, quite exciting. Yeah. Because there's no bum note there, right? No. We t- talk about great live bands and, and, and you two will probably get a mention later on. Yeah. But, you know, we all know the Bill Bailey joke of what yeah. happens when, when yeah. Edge's uh, the Edge's guitar pedal breaks. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, 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 There is not really that much for Mark Knopfler to hide no. behind in this. No. And he's no for no. Yeah bang on he yeah. just is at one with the guitar every single finger is moving in harmony with his voice uh, with his left hand um he's someone who's so utterly confident with being able to make that guitar as you say sing much like jeff beck who was also a great yeah. finger picker yeah um and didn't mess around too much with with kind of crazy distortion yeah um and i think that's one of the reasons why you get this sound but yeah it's straight out of the gate yeah. We see that on Once Upon a Time in the West. Also wanna mention the fact that Alchemy is not an album with loads and loads of tracks on it. No, no, no. Um no. but I mean it's a four side LP. I think it's
0: eleven.
1: Uh so you've got three, two, three and two. So yeah, um one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are ten tracks yeah. on there. Um but the first opening track, Once Upon a Time in the West, is thirteen minutes long. So There was a point where I was watching the audience as the camera cuts back to the audience where it's about three minutes before the end of the song and they're quite exhausted because they've been, the anticipation of queuing up, they get there, okay, the heroes are on stage, they're watching them, it's amazing, but we're being taken down again through all these kind of ups and downs. And it's almost like a mini... It's like the 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 first song shows you how the concert's gonna go. Yeah. And by the end of the number well, they are absolutely up rising again, ready for uh, for the kind of big finish.
0: I was about to say, and I believe that's only the third longest song on, uh, in this concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, there are there are that's very, so very long. Telegraph Roads fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Tunnel of Love might be around thirteen as well. So a Swing comes in yeah. at
1: ten forty eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah it's uh it's full of of long um numbers interesting point though the whole album it, some of those songs are original originally very long yes um but a lot of them are are not uh, and i think that also goes to show how much care has been put into the fact that this is a live gig this is an experience for our audience for our fans we're not just going to go up and recreate the album for them yeah. And that must have been so special yeah um i've always been a big fan whenever i've seen live acts and they've done something different or special or cool and you go this is for me this is for us yeah um and they do that straight out of the bat with that first number yeah really really love it
0: Mm. i i think i I think that's why i I love watching um you know the glastonbury coverage each year because you just there's some you you know especially at glastonbury live acts are going to pull out something especially if you're if you're headlining the pyramid stage it's all even if i don't particularly am a huge fan of that band i'll always watch I go i wonder what they're gonna do like who are yeah. they gonna bring out what they're gonna change what you know amazing cover they're gonna play that they've never played before and there's that excitement i think yeah and and well it's it, it's 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 live theater isn't it it's something that only exists in that moment on that night for those people in attendance yeah. and that's what makes it really special i think um
1: yeah but uh, absolutely um I think uh, the next uh, track is Espresso Love.
0: It is Expresso Love, yeah.
1: Oh, no, sorry, no, it isn't. It's, no, it, uh, it's Romeo and Juliet.
0: No, it's not. It's Expresso Love. Uh, the listing online it's incorrect. is incorrect. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I, that's some, I
1: feel vindicated. Um, espresso Love, which is a frustrating title, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because it should because, be Espresso Love. Yes, yeah. we know. Uh, but the song, I don't think, really addresses. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but Mark for you're the type of person who would deliberately, ironically call something... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but they say expresso love so many times. If you're a pedant, then it's, you're going to find it difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. And it's a track I didn't really remember. No, um, same. Or think of. Same. Um, but yeah, good fun. did Don't yeah. really have masses to say about it.
0: No, no. Ag- again, yeah, just a nice, a nice kind of change of pace. Um, again, you've got that kind of bluesy influence in there that's really nice you go, you know you're you're, you're picking up bits of like BB King and and Buddy Guy influence on his guitar playing as well which is lovely. Um
1: BB King again another great he was hybrid picker so he did use a plectrum, mm-hmm. but again wonderful um kind of that soft twang that that is riddled throughout Mark yeah. Knopfler's um body of work. Yeah, definitely coming from that Mississippi Delta. Yeah. Not Tyneside.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah
1: really really uh nice so then after that i think we have um juliet. And juliet. yeah
0: which is just a, a fab song and and i love like the way he plays and juliet in this concert is almost in the style of like a beat poet like he pretty much yeah. does away with any of the lyrical kind of cadence of the actual single and like, he like talks quite a lot of the story yeah which i really appreciated because like, this is very different
1: well he kind of talks it quite a bit in in, in on the record, in the record but it, but you but it's still quite melodic yeah and it it feels to me like maybe that he you know he doesn't he hasn't learned the record he's just yeah. learnt the song and that's how it came out in the exactly. booth that day yeah 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 so you're again you're experiencing something new and something yeah. different i love romeo and juliet i know I, it's quite a cliche well-known song uh by i don't know if it is actually um but no, but i i, I, think I, I just think yeah. it's a phenomenal song um it's f- so funny yeah um so witty really you can imagine dylan really enjoying it yeah. i'd love to know what he thinks of not yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. lyrically it's very kind of that tongue in cheek thing that you got later on with dylan well you know
0: um, um he w- way back in the early days i think after their first album was so impressed he got um Knopfler and Ilsley to record on his icon which album it was at that time oh but wow yeah, yeah 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 yeah, amazing yeah so yeah he's been so a big fan since the early days that yeah. kind
1: of makes sense i'm glad yeah. to hear that yeah. well done mark um but also i think it's important to notice that romeo and juliet summons the entrance and the first appearance uh certainly in this album we see of mark knopfler and his steel resonator guitar yes um he I think most famously uh, it's featured on the album cover for brother in arms yeah. right um but i th- i can't think of another musician so famous for playing a resonator yeah um those of you who aren't aware um resonators uh, were originally called resonators made by the national steel o res a company called o resonators um and there were two types there were tricones and there was also uh a biscuit, and biscuit is the one hole in the middle, and that's what Martin Knopfler plays. But it has this kind of yeah, what it is, it's loads of holes uh, that make the sound of the steel strings reverberate with a steel shell, and it yeah. creates this really twangy sound. But it's an acoustic guitar, um, and I I I I just love it. A, a lot of people call it a Dobro, by the way, because the okay. company were bought out by the company Dobro, right. and then everyone called it a Dobro. Um, so I remember Jul- Julian Lippman, musician, uh, who worked with lots of actually the backing um, musicians on this uh, album, mm. Alan Clark and, and uh, um, Hal Linders, people who have also worked with Jay Rafferty, who, of course, provided yeah. vocals on uh, uh, um, a lot of the Monopla stuff yeah. for the movie. Um, what's it called? Going Home?
0: Local Hero. Local Hero, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Um, so uh, lots of crossovers there, but he's got one on his wall. And I went, oh, you've got a resonator. And he went, no, nah, it's a Dobro. And I was like, because it's made by Dobro. But is there any difference? He was like, no, it's just because the company bought it at that yeah. time. Re- little bit of geeking out there. But I just think, I can't think of another artist who's made that instrument so famous. But it's everyone knows the introductory, introductory chords of Romeo and Juliet. And it's yeah. because you hear them on that resonator yeah. guitar. And it's so lovely to see that um, brought out there on the third track. Um, to have a, a a song that after a thirty minute opener, uh, a kind of nice um, you know rocky uh, second song, and then you've got this acoustic lyrical you know lovely part. It also is a, probably one of the first times we get to see Alan Clark really shine on the keys as well. Yeah. Um. And and also quite a lot of Hammond organ towards the end of Romeo and Juliet as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, love. I I just love this song. I think it's yeah. great.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Beautiful.
1: Um. So after that, um. It says on the track listing, uh, we go into um, private investigations. Yes, um, which is a really famous Dire Straits song to the p- or title because mm. it was the title of their best of album. Yeah, but I don't actually know the song, but no. I know the the name yeah, of yeah, the yeah, song yeah, yeah, yeah. better than I do yeah. the song.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I was the same. I wasn't particularly familiar with this one, um, but but again, yeah, I mean, there's not much more you can really say uh it's a great version of that song great version yeah um i mean yeah comes in at at
1: like seven minutes 40 so one of the shorter ones which is a weird thing in again in a world where every song at this point had to be under three minutes yeah and you had to get a chorus within the first 20 seconds mark Knopfler's absolutely just going no he's just saying no to that yeah it's a lovely uh quote i want to bring back um when we talk about telegraph road as well Uh, for that um and then we have sultans of yeah. swing this is yeah. what tristan uh wanted us to focus Absolutely. on see and, and there
0: is there is a lovely moment where he acknowledges um uh what in the wrestling world you'd call a pop mm-hmm. uh which is a big cheer from the crowd when cuz that they, they kind of it, it's one of the first times. Actually, it might be the first time where you get a real moment of silence because the first three tracks have kind of weaved into each other. Yeah. And then by 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 the end of Private Investigations, you you have this just a couple of seconds of silence, and then it comes in with the famous riff, and you jut and it's just a really working the crowd. Very very smart. Yeah, you just see the um, kind of. A, Light, uh in the eyes of Nothla and he's really enjoying kind of yeah teasing them and, and enjoying the fact that they're so excited by this song that he's created and It's this really lovely moment that he's really happy with the reaction of the audience uh, yeah because he, he could
1: come across as a bit sullen I suppose yeah. up to this point or serious about his art um which is fine but also it's the first time I kind of really noticed I was watching the ultimate Picture of Mark Knopfler with the headband, yeah, the '80s yeah. hair bunched at the back, the yeah. red jacket to match his red schecter Stratocaster, and yeah. playing finger picking that you know guitar beautifully in, in with that riff, bam, I mean, to start a, an iconic riff with a pull off as well, rather than a kind of strike. It's, yeah, it's just you know you're hearing the note that kind of two milliseconds after he's played it, and it just it's an iconic sound you can't play that the wrong way otherwise it doesn't sound like sultans yeah. of swing yeah and it's really hard to play like yeah 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 especially to once you've learned it you've learned it but to actually kind of master that style it's, it's not easy um yeah i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it i think um uh it's worth noticing the notice noting the original track is like five minutes 47 i think yeah. and it comes in at 10 minutes 48 <laughs> yeah so yeah. they doubled the length of the song, yeah, and also I think they're playing it slightly faster, yeah, so y- you can imagine how much kind of ups and downs there are yeah. with the dynamics of this song um and I think first of all, I'd love to give credit to to Ty Williams on this. I think he's a dynamics king on the drums here yeah. he's constantly bringing it up and uh, and bringing it down, and right before every chorus. He's bringing it right down, almost like jazz level of yeah. of of soft drumming and creating these con- uh, crescendos. And it's kind of the first time in the concert that you see another member of the band almost leading Mark Knopfler. It's like, okay, this is such a such a vocals and lead guitar yeah. thing that actually we're going to let you get on with that and we're going to deal with the dynamics of, yeah. of the songs. Whereas up to this point, I feel that Mark Knopfler's led everyone. Yeah. So that's really, really lovely. For sure. There was also something that um uh there's a great drummer um called Todd Zuckerman who uh is sessioned for loads and loads of people, but actually he's Sparks drummer. Um okay. uh, but he's kind of known as a studio master. If you've got a problem with a drum track on, on your album, you you bring Todd Suckerman in. Right. Because he'll be able to tell you what's wrong with it. And one of the things he always says is, drummers, especially live drummers, um have massive problems of dynamics because the more carried away they get mm-hmm. the harder they play now a drum kit is a loud instrument we all know that but ultimately if you smash the hell out of a crash cymbal you're gonna you, you actually kind of distort the sound to the point where it, it's over before you've had a chance to hear the whole yeah. the whole cymbal kind of ring out and he gets very kind of technical about it. But if you take it, for example, everyone loves Dave Grohl's drumming, right? Um, incredibly difficult to record, because, he, especially in Nirvana days, because he used to play so loud. And you watch live recordings of Nirvana playing in like, relatively small Seattle bars. It's just noise. You yeah. can't hear a drum in it. It's just a clatter, which is fine for what Nirvana are doing. But you wouldn't want that on, on, a, on a, a track like this. In a way, Todd Zuckerman talks about making drums sound big. And when we talk about big, expansive Mark Knopfler sounds, almost soundscapes, yeah, he said the way to do that is play softer, yeah. let the drum do the work, hit it accurately, don't beat the hell out of it, otherwise you're not going to get that dynamic. And I think that, that this is a prime example of Terry Williams employing this skill of actually playing quite gently and allowing the mixer to pick up everything from the drum kit and, and mix it properly. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I thought he was a master of that.
0: Yeah absolutely
1: absolutely so yeah a bit geeky um there uh, again uh, i think uh, alan clark really kind of on that thing it's like the third time they build up yeah. into one of his solos uh, before you get the iconic ding 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 yeah, yeah. we're waiting for that and he just layers it would going from the grand piano to the to the um uh hammond organ and then you have got some synths coming in there as well um again i think that's coming from from tony mendel yeah um, but everyone seems to be working together and really listening to each other, yeah. which is what you were saying, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. There, there's Total communication on stage. Communication, yeah.
1: Um, and uh, and and your rhythm guitarist, um, Hal Linders. Yeah, I said he like looks, looks really happy to be there. I think he starts to really concentrate at one point. Yeah, and John ilsey's like coming over and being like, "Well, I've got three notes to play in this song because it's down 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 for the whole thing on bass, yeah. right?" Um. And he's kind of doing some Bruce Springsteen esque kind of dancing.
0: There's there's some really lovely, um, clearly improvised choreography in mm-hmm. this concert. There's 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 a moment during I think it's Tunnel of Love where um, they end up all three of them doing like a sort of riff on the Shadows' Box Step. Yeah, and yeah. it's completely in unison. And I was like, "There's no way that's practiced. That's just naturally. You've just clocked each other, and you've just got like yeah. there's this lovely." moments where they're really really together in their movement as well but you can just tell that that's just happened in the moment because i don't for a second believe that dire straits were a band that went okay that's rehearsal our dance moves that like, <laughs> wouldn't have happened so but it's not no um, and
1: i think that moment in tunnel of love as well yeah. i think
0: actually um
1: uh, mark Knopfler and and howlanders are facing upstage to the drummer and yeah. like to tell you well so so they're not even really they're doing not- it for the benefit of the audience they're just yeah. moving their hips at the same time yeah and yeah, yeah enjoying that to swing see how,
0: how in unison they are um, um but yeah I, I just wanted to talk briefly for those those of you who don't know a, a, about the song itself it's a really interesting story about the fact that it was mark Knopfler going into a pub and seeing a really terrible jazz band really yeah um <laughs> but at the end of their at the end of their gig they went thank you we're the sultans of swing <laughs> and he just found that so hilarious that this really bad band had called themselves something so like self-aggrandizing and um <laughs> He yeah went home that night immediately and and kind of wrote the idea of the song um and I just love the idea that somewhere out there like they might still be a like like this really bad jazz band were responsible for one of the biggest selling songs of all time like uh, but like, that might have sold them a few tickets well yeah the bands that, that might not for named
1: right right named his kind of you'd, best song you'd after, imagine or, well, they'd,
0: yeah you'd cash in on that right yeah <laughs> but, yeah. yeah absolutely
1: um. Yeah, I was just, I was just saying that. Like, uh, for me, also, there's that moment right before the last that they kind of get rid of the riff, down, 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 and it's just down, 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 and they never go back up again. Yeah, and and uh, yeah. rhythm and bass are just doing that over and over again. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah. What are you? And then they bring in the full riff again and yeah. suddenly you realise you're on the home stretch of the song. Digga, dingga, 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 And it all came together and it's, it's that moment of just knowing what to slowly peel back the layers, show us the bones of the song and then you don't know what you're missing. Until yeah. it's back again, and suddenly you hear the crowd really pop again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it must have been exhausting to be at that gig because it's quite an yeah. emotional journey just Absolutely. listening to it.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's. It, it, it reminds me of uh, when you and I, uh, a million years ago, we're, were back at drama school, and um, we were at one point uh, as a whole group learning uh, uh the rhythm of life from uh, yeah. Sweet Charity, and our our acting through song teacher Andrew would refuse to let us sing the last note until yeah. we'd earn it and it, it's <laughs> yeah. like it's that mentality for the audience isn't it we're yeah. not going to go back into the we're not going to resolve the riff until we really feel like you're ready to enjoy that yeah and have that moment of catharsis and I again f- it's just how well they orchestrate the, the 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 enjoyment and the experience of the audience in this concert is really clever
1: that's a great example um i also love that story about how the song was written because i've always wondered why you'd write a song like that not in the style of or not even like paying homage to a yeah. to a swing style jazz yeah. kind of yeah. song but that makes but, perfect but sense. but you
0: do hear it in the lyrics where he talks about one of the you know one, one of the uh band members are decorator by day and what mm-hmm. you know and you, and you get into about rain outside the you know so there's a lot of that night in those in those lyrics but but i, I also think there's a, a, a i don't think it's a sort of uh it's not just a kind of ha 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 that band was so terrible let's make a song about them i, I think it's also a real celebration of pub music because that's where they started yeah. um especially the Nofflers. i think were in a band beforehand called brewers droop yes um yeah. and they uh did all the kind of yeah kind of london pub circuit when they first moved down here and and um i think they had an album called the bees brothers right By Brewer's Droop. And then you go, well, that's that's all about pub music. More pub rock than that, right? So that that's such a kind of um their roots are so embedded in the kind of local London pub music scene. I think it's as much a celebration of that and almost not exactly celebrating mediocrity, but 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 celebrating that kind of we know we're not the best thing in the world we know we're ne- we're, we're never going to be more than playing this pub because we've all got danger doing other things but for this moment on a thursday evening we become you know, the hat and feather we'll come together and we'll play you know we'll, we'll 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 have fun and we'll we'll make something and it might not be what everyone wants but we're doing it for us and i think that's what and we're that song is about right yeah. we're for
1: this moment no one else in this town is yeah. playing swing or jazz and we yeah. are the
0: kings of that we are the sultans of swing it's just it just breaks my brain slightly when you go well it's a ba- it's a it's an amazing band that have written an amazing song about a mediocre band playing a mediocre song <laughs> that isn't the song that's that song but that that song is referring to the band sultans of swing but in the first person as if Dire Straits. Like, it's so and And the confusing. genres are completely different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. For sure. Um, but I also think that that's a really point worth kind of laboring, actually, is that Mark Knopfler, for all intents and purposes, is a folk singer. Yeah. Therefore, his lyrics are all about people, yeah, right? That's ab- what, what folk is about. And is, I'm is I'm...
0: a backstory. He loves a backstory. I think that is especially clear if you listen to his solo stuff i mean if you listen to the stuff he wrote for the princess bride for example um and they're so folky with this kind of you know classical guitar backed song that that is yeah a million miles away from what you see in this concert and you can see when when he's yeah allowed to kind of fully go out there on his own he really does fall back onto that very folky almost classical um style
1: yeah really interesting um when you when you talk about his film career as well uh and and kind of career as a composer and yeah. also actually alan clark keys player his career as a composer yeah. as well it's interesting that both of those members of this that band have such an interest in people in their stories yeah to the point of making that almost kind of almost spent more time doing that than they have being in direct yeah. straits you yeah know? um but we can yeah come to that in a bit um so Sutton's a swing, it's a wonderful performance, a wonderful version. It's a real roller coaster of a uh, of a of a performance. Uh, and it's made me love that song again. Because it's yeah. quite overplayed. Yeah. And you I, I kind of get a bit immune to it, but I really, yeah. really discovered it. So thanks Absolutely. for that.
0: Tristan. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Next up we have Young Two Young Lovers.
0: Yes. Um yeah.
1: which is completely uh you know, a throwback to the early kind of days of the Knopflers playing and and listening to local music um as i said at the beginning he 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 kind of mentions the animals um and he also has a little chat to the
0: audience beforehand right yeah 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 yeah. and and it made me it did make me laugh because he goes back yeah in his chat and he's like oh you know greg up with those really great bands from the northeast like the animals and the others yeah (laughs) Yeah, there weren't anywhere it was the animals it was the (laughs) animals that was it um, but yeah, and then he does the riff from uh, Don't Let Me Misunderstood, which is a really nice little yeah. thing to put in there.
1: really nice thing. Um, it's, yeah, a bit of intertextuality there um, and a nice little tribute. Um. But I, I really love this song because it is essentially a 50s rock and roll song.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? And it's obviously... Yeah paying homage to that and, and and the people that have come before them and the working men's clubs I've
0: seen Alan Clark doing a real Jerry Lee Lewis here on the keys which is lovely it's so
1: funny you said that because yeah. he he's, I think, the star of this song. Mm-hmm. Even though... Without a doubt, yeah. Y- you have this amazing kind of solo at, at, and taking the majority of the riff from Mel Collins, the saxophonist yeah. Who yeah. we mentioned earlier, comes on for a couple of uh, songs and Knopflet introduces Mel Collins and, and says... Uh, he says the word uh, words, uh, here we are, i have got a couple of people are playing this, including Mel Collins. Uh, follow us boys and you'll be fine. And yeah. I'm just like, um, how rehearsed is this? Yeah. Like... But again, there's that element of we're playing this together, right? Um, yeah. And even if that isn't true, there's an element of theatre perhaps for the audience that yeah. we're going to get together and we're going to do a track that we don't haven't done for a while. Um, Jerry Lee Lewis, yes, there is plenty of that in terms of hammering the top keys yeah. over and over and over again. But actually, I think he's doing something a bit more sophisticated because with his left hand, he's doing loads of what really would be Boogie Woogie or, or yeah. rhythm and blues. Yeah. So it's kind of more Jules Holland. than, <laughs> yeah, than Jer- yeah, yeah, It yeah, yeah, should yeah. be Jeremy Lewis Yeah. if you want to be strict about rock and roll. But the fact that it's more rhythm and blues and he's kind of doing both, yeah. I think is much more sophisticated and adds a real urgency and class to the song. Yeah, um, yeah he's phenomenal absolutely he's doing all sorts of really interesting little almost unheard but uh, kind of bass lines yeah. um uh with his left and then when he's with his right uh he's both hammering the top with like his top pinky and then also doing quite fast changes and octave below i'm like how big is your spread like that's really hard with yeah. your i mean i've got tiny thumbs so i struggle with my spread on a piano <laughs> um but i can do octaves but i can't yeah. do what he's doing yeah yeah um, yeah Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's fantastic um but I really, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lovely break in the set, a wonderful bit of set curation, as yeah. you said earlier on. Um, and then we go to Tunnel of Love, yeah. After this, um, which is, um, you know, he talks about um, what's the the Spain reference? the The place was it called the Spanish? uh was a venue called the Spanish something. Um, yes, yeah. Where where again a lot of these kind of old old bands used to play. Um, and and then he he has this kind of big riff coming in from Mal Collins, who's still yeah playing uh, since he's been on Two Young Lovers, and it's kind of big and grand and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And then suddenly this huge organ part comes in. Yeah, yeah. And I said to you, "Do you know what this is from? Yeah, did you remember or look it up? Would did you did it no. come to you? No. So what happens then?" This is one of two songs that Mark, that Dire Straits have recorded that Mark Knopfler isn't the sole songwriter of. Right. Okay. Because uh, the other one is is um, Money for Nothing with Sting because it, yeah. it was co-written. Yeah. And the other one and the other one is this Tunnel of Love because right. that organ yeah. introduction is quite specifically called Carousel Waltz written by Rodgers and Hammerstein for the opening of the of musical Carousel, Carousel. Of course it to is. take us into into of a fairground. Yeah. 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 And
0: yeah, of course yeah, Tunnel
1: yeah, yeah. of Love. Isn't featured in Carousel, but is one of the things you would have found Found at a 50s fairground. Yeah. But also, we've just been watching a program that satirizes (laughs) Carousel, and they use something called the The Tunnel Tunnel of of Love. Love. And music that's very similar to that, but not exactly that, because they're they're kind of indirectly ripping off Rodgers and Hammerstein. So there were kind of lots of weird references there. But I just love the fact that the one of two songs that Mark Knopfler doesn't have soul writing credit yeah. on one he shares with sting the other one he shares, shares with, with, and with i'm like okay fair yeah. enough mate like yeah,
0: <laughs> those yeah, are yeah, the yeah, only yeah, two yeah. people you've needed help from yeah 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 fine yeah um but uh yeah yeah again another another really lovely track i i, I love the intro to this i i love mel collins i think yeah. he's a phenomenal saxophonist um uh, has a really great tone um Yeah,
1: it reminded me of of some of the stuff you hear on, like, Dark Side of the Moon or, like, that really... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the type of sax that... It's the opposite of Kenny G, right? Mm -hmm, It's... mm -hmm. Yes, it's beautifully played and and it's got that kind of shine, 80s shine on it, but because of the actual choices the musician's making note-wise, he's adding loads of throat. It comes across as much more soulful and and lyrical, um, even though... uh, what I'm saying is a lesser musician at this time mm-hmm. would have come on and done sax parts. Yeah. Um and it would have sounded a bit more like George Michael. And yeah. and, and nothing wrong with that, but it's I'm so glad it doesn't for yeah. the sake of this song and, and what it adds yeah. to the dynamic of the song. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, um yeah. yeah. And again, lots of kind of homage made. Then at the end of this song they do this whole big false finish. Yeah. where they say goodbye to everyone and it's the end of the show and they put the guitars down and they walk off stage except for, uh, I, th- I think it's Tony Mandel yeah. who's just, sounds like he's just fallen asleep at the top end of a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And it all goes dark except this is happening and the audience are going, oh wait, is it the end of the concert? Of course, the lights come up again. Yeah. And we have Telegraph Road. Yeah. Um, this is from Love Over Gold. 1982 album so again right on the money in terms of yeah th- it's a recent release love ever god was the first album i listened to for dire straits really, yeah. um because my mum had it on tape in a car and i was like oh what's this and she went oh i bought it when i thought i liked dire straits for a while and then i, oh, I didn't really get into anything else but um but i love the album because uh,
0: of- uh a captain beefheart lyric is it yeah uh uh-huh. the- but it's not Named directly after that, it's named after a bit of graffiti that Mark Knopfler saw out of his bedroom window. <laughs> right, but I don't think he knew at the time was a reference to a Captain Beefheart song. So he named it after the graffiti, and then I think learned afterwards that actually it was. It's to a good
1: Captain point because I, I think. As Mark Maron says in his uh, last stand-up piece, yeah. I think there are about three people who really understand and get Captain, Captain B. B. Hart. Yeah, and there's a point in yeah. every record collector's and life. One of those three people is Frank Zappa. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, the other one is maybe Mark Maron, and, yeah. and the other one is the guy he wrote that like, graffiti. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because,
1: uh, like, it's like a midlife crisis thing. Like, if if you're a digger, if you're into your records, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you go, oh, okay, I reached fifty. I really need to try Captain Beefheart <laughs> Heart again and try and understand what all of that was about. Like the James
0: Joyce of uh
1: 60, yeah, 70, I oh. do I yeah. think they are. They're like impenetrable, but you just know it's cool. Yeah. And it will always be cool. So I can't I can't give up on it because there's something inalienable cool about it. I think it's just a really good name.
0: Yeah. I yeah. don't know what
1: it means, but yeah. Love over gold. Uh great album. So Telegraph Road is 13 minutes and 19 seconds long on uh, this live version. Uh, Do you know what the original version length is? No, I don't. Do you you think it's longer or shorter? I think it's probably shorter. It is 14 minutes and 18 seconds. That's weird. Which means they're they're doing the whole version, but faster. (laughs) And it's still 13 minutes and 20 seconds. (laughs) How did you manage that? Excellent. Can't believe it. Excellent. Um for me Telegraph Road is I actually wrote some notes on this and I for a moment thought I was a um, music journalist oh yeah um, Nick Kent it's... yeah I'm thinking more of the full English breakfast from Kevin Eldon's The Kevin Eldon uh, Show yeah uh, where he compares everything yeah. to other things yeah but with something else yeah it's like the Terry and June or on acid
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like
1: yeah, well yeah. no is it that or is that <laughs> there's the three different things aren't they? Is uh, but I think it's I, I wrote like it's Knopfler's answer to an almost Springsteen esque yeah. uh, song that's again as we said earlier dr- really draped in Americana. Mm. Um, I understand he wrote it while they were touring in America.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Michigan. It's a road in Michigan that the tour bus was driving down, and he was sat at the very front of it. And yeah, it's a very long road, and and he said, yeah, he was just imagining what this road had kind of seen over the decades um and that's yeah where the kind of song comes from but it's also very much about the sort of demise of this farmer character as well so it's It's, really about that kind of 80s death of the kind of working class and um, massive unemployment as you start to see that uber capitalists you know yuppie culture rich getting richer in the cities and and these kind of places like michigan and the old steel towns in the midwest are starting to to you know kind of wither on the vine and um and i think that's what he captures really well in this song yeah
1: yeah you're right and and as you say all of these things but also just as you watch it there are elements of like this song could have been co-written by springsteen it could have been co-written by billy bragg it could have been yeah co-written by so it could be wichita lineman you know (laughs) yeah with the jimmy webb it's that that kind of ballad about the backstory that we've seen him perform earlier on in this set but also throughout his career um but it just it layers and layers and layers and layers there are these dark minor chords that um Clark is really hammering out yeah um as it comes back to the refrain um the guitar he's plucking these guitars and they almost the, the strings almost sound like they could be the wires on the pole like because yeah. the, the, the pole itself isn't it's pretty precarious because it's been mm-hmm. there so long and it's yeah. seen so much um and then you you have these kind of driving drums uh and the rhythm guitar chugging along which makes me think of the tour bus and the yeah, yeah. the kind of gathering speed um and it yeah it takes you through detroit well yeah. out of detroit or i don't know if they're going out of Detroit yeah. or to detroit but it was a detroit gig wasn't it yeah um and you feel like you go through the state of Michigan, and by the end of the song, you're out of it. You're yeah. out of Michigan, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that all happened at some point in the past. It's um, it's an amazing number. Yeah. Uh, again, something I haven't listened to since I was probably about twelve, thirteen. No. Um, and versus discovering Dire Straits, but um, but it, it's an epic. Yeah. There was also a quote here from Rolling Stone um magazine, so an actual yeah re- uh, uh, music reviewer. Um, And he talks about Love love Over Gold being kind of Mark Knopfler's exploration of his frustrated relationship with love and and romance. Um, Because at moments the album is really luscious and happy and positive and other moments it's really dark and grimy. And and that does feel like a, a troubled relationship that everyone's probably gone through at some point in their life. But I think Telegraph Road embodies that in just the whole song. Yeah. Feels like that as well as all the backstory and the context is given about these kind of characters who, who might've trod this road metaphorically or literally. Yeah. But sorry, the, uh, the journalist, um, Rolling Stone says the centerpiece of Love Over Gold is Telegraph Road. Yeah. Um, In a period where most pop music is conceived purely as product, Love Over Gold dares to put art over airplay. David Frick. And I thought, that's exactly what you said at the beginning yeah. of this podcast yeah. about Mark Knopfler and Dire Straits as a whole, right? Yeah, he constantly puts art over airplay. He's not afraid to make a track 13 minutes long.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It's funny. I was really surprised when I was doing some research for this um, as to just how successful Dire Straits have been. Like <laughs> they're like I think that I read like they're they're the eighth most successful British band of all time. Like wow. It's like insane, like and 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 Brothers in Arms, I think, is like the fourth biggest selling album by a UK band globally ever. And wow. like I was reading all these incredible facts, and I was like, w-? and I was like, why, why am I surprised at this? And I was like, because he and they never carried themselves like they were particularly interested in courting that, or like they're the biggest band in the world. You know, it's like the Um, (laughs) uh, anti-McFleetwood. Oh, poor McFleetwood. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they really had integrity, you know. Um, And I do agree. And and I think that does come across as a little too over-earnest and pompous in some ways when Nofler is being interviewed and things like that. And you think, okay, yeah, you're a brilliant artist. You don't have to keep telling as you are but uh especially not while you're sitting in your billion pound studio yeah but there's you know and i think especially back back then in the kind of early 80s um they really felt like a band that were you know really there for the music and there to experiment yeah. and and they were never going to compromise that for record sales or success and and subsequently i think i've always just thought oh Dire Straits were this kind of interesting band that were big at the time, but were kind of known for being musically interesting rather than for being hugely successful. And then reading it, I was like, oh no, they're also one of the most successful bands ever.
1: Um, but also, I just think of them being active, really, between 78 and 85.
0: Yeah. That's seven years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How could they have achieved yeah what they achieved well, in such a short do, space of time they had another weird it's like winston churchill isn't it they had they did that and they had a break and then they came back they came again. back in the 90s yeah, yeah. it was a 91 to 95 or something like that that they um yeah came back briefly again and then yeah and then that was it for good but um yeah i mean but but yet still still released what five six albums um and yeah. and yeah and and as i said you know some of them being the most successful ever um but it just yeah it just i th- and and i think because they wrote 15 minute long songs and and you know huge instrumental numbers um and things that and you just kind of yeah you you forget that they were actually commercially really successful yeah
1: i mean when you think about these kind of examples of what you're talking about in terms of epic songs with with weird soundscapes in them i think that this telegraph road is the best example of that certainly from alchemy but possibly uh, over the art kind of of their whole career uh it starts with this um like it's a sunrise if it was a painting it's a sun rising and it's like a synthesizer and then it stops at one point and they just play a chord over Alan Clark doing like a baroque piece of piano. Well, yeah, on, it's on yeah. a piano, but it it sounds like a Bach organ piece, yeah. like yeah. all twiddly little classical elements. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, why, are you, why, why are you all unnecessarily good at your instruments? Because <laughs> yeah. the songs <laughs> should sound like they should be simpler to play, and and also was this kind of necessary? And then you kind of go, no, I don't care. Yeah. It's just beautiful to listen to yeah yeah and i think also it's a real testament to something we're talking a lot about in sultan's at swing but i think even more so in telegraph road is the communication that they have with each other yeah, on stage
0: absolutely yeah. they
1: are looking at each other they're listening to each other they're playing for each other yeah. as much as they are the audience and that's just lovely yeah. um i'd like to see what their live performance I- you know in december of 1984 was like before they you yeah, know yeah, disbanded yeah, yeah, but, yeah but i um and i'm sure i'm sure that that wasn't but i think this alchemy captures musicians at their best in many different ways yeah. really really loving working with each other absolutely yeah and then that's the you know you, you'd think that would be the end right mm. you have this false end you have yeah. this you know encore that is 13 minutes long yeah but no they're gonna play two more songs yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, it definitely wasn't an encore then because you came on and had three songs yeah, planned, a, one yeah. of which was 15 minutes. So, yeah. they uh, they do Solid Rock, yeah. um, which is from uh, the um, Making, um, Making Making Movies, movies album, yeah. um, and I think that's the last one that Dave not played on. Yes, um, I think. Uh, so uh, again, made me think of him going, "Oh, yeah.
0: you're not you're not there,
1: are you?" Not there. Yeah, um, yeah. And then they end on the. Epic, yeah, going home, yeah, Ivan Novello award winning. Uh, I mean, shouldn't a lot of them won? Yeah. N- I mean, Romeo and Juliet must yeah, have been yeah, up yeah. for an
0: Ivan Novello song a swing, but I, I, yeah, I don't know, but I know for sure that, yeah, going home did. Uh, from yeah, the the wonderful um local hero, uh, and I urge uh all of you to go out and watch a brilliant, brilliant film, um, made in, in, in this same year as this concert uh, 1983 um uh, bill Forsyth directed um who did Gregory's girl as well um so kind of this very uh, uh scottish kind of director that did these kind of stories about scotland and it's a, a, a film about this kind of uh young uh texan kind of oil guy that's been tasked by uh the brilliant but lancaster in one of his last roles to go to this small scottish town and um yeah basically go there and buy it um to build these kind of oil oil wells that are there instead um and it's kind of yeah him coming up against the town and then actually ending up falling in love with the town itself and uh there's a very, very young, fresh-faced Peter Capaldi that turns up in it. I think it was one of his first it's screen weird. roles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really, really excellent film, and and Nothra did the whole score for it. Um, and uh, and yeah, and going home is, is is just a beautiful piece of music, and and really captures, uh, yeah, this kind of it's a real love letter to Scotland. The film. Um, also one of Mark Kermode's favorite ever films as well. It's in his top five. Uh, top. Really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, would re- very much recommend Local
1: Hero. Uh, yeah, enjoy. it's. I mean, it's also a beautiful film in terms of all the, that Scottish landscape. Yeah, I think it. I was really set in a in a, a, a fictional town yeah. of finesse. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it reminds me very much of when my dad grew up on the west coast mm-hmm. of Scotland, um, and, and and that specific kind of the coastal all these this waters this island hopping. Yeah. Kind of beauty that is at risk, and yeah. you really feel that. Yeah. Um. And again, also, it's forever relevant, right? Because if it's not, but Lancaster, it's yeah. Donald Trump, it's, it's you know, oh, yeah. it's yeah. a constant, and it, even more so now with Brexit, because yeah. of Scotland having these oil reserves that, yeah. you know, a lot of other countries can now try and get in on. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see how they navigate that as a country, and how their fight for independence also yeah. informs that, because yeah. it's going to be about oil, Um yeah. Which is, yeah, fascinating.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: Yeah. Also, just want to mention, at the end of Going Home, Mm. this beautiful kind of soundscape and the little video they've interjected as well, starts to fade as the house lights come up. Yeah. And before the song's finished, the crew start unplugging all the vocal mics. Yeah. And anything that's not being played is put into a, um, a flight case. Yeah. And then they finally finish the last chord. And as Mark Knopfler puts his guitar, you know, up to say thank you to the crowd, it's taken out of his hand by a roadie. Put- and I'm like, now, is this, are you, are you telling us that, uh, is it just capturing the fact that there's a curfew at the Odeon? We have to finish by midnight and they've, they need to get everything down, yeah. or is this
0: theatrical? I think it's theatricality. I think it's theatricality. Oh, I it's think theatricality. theatricality. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, They're
1: yeah. telling us that we've played up until the very last moment for, for yeah. you, and we don't care about them, we care about you. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Uh, that's, that's quite a nice segue for me in terms of actually talking about one of my favourite live gigs mm. on one of the best live bands that I've ever seen, um, which was R.E.M. He did oh, a very similar yeah. thing. When I saw them play Hyde Park. Oh, really? Because there was a midnight curfew. And they said, screw the curfew. We're playing through it. And they did. About 20 minutes. And they they had to pay a huge fine Uh, um, for doing it. But it was amazing. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And it was was great to feel like they just wanted to be with you and sing with you and sing for you and play for you. And I just thought Alchemy summed that up really well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, there we go. I I was just wanted to give a very quick shout out to... um, Specifically, uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, mobile recording unit, which Mm -hmm. is apparently what was used to record the live album from this concert, uh, which was something that Bill Wyman, I think kind of pioneered, um, which was this little touring recording studio specifically built to record live concerts as they were happening, um, that that the Stones created, but then just let all these other bands in the seventies and eighties use, um, and uh yeah in 2001 it was donated to the uh canadian national music museum or something um but um but yeah it's been used by uh, hundreds and hundreds of bands um and actually there was a time where um bill wyman financed it being driven around the uk specifically to help unknown young bands record stuff and it's like this tiny little it's like a lorry kind of thing um that can yeah be portable recording amazing but yeah very very cool what they used but it's it's known and it's known as the Rolling Stones, uh, Rolling Stones mobile recording unit. Um,
1: yeah, very yeah. nice.
0: So have we also got to talk about um, what live bands you want to see? Yeah, I mean, I think just following from what you just said, I I, I mean, for me, I think the the best live act I've ever seen is is Paul Simon when you and I went a couple of uh, years. ago. I was going to say I mean, it's hard it, not to it, mention. Yeah, I really do. I, I you know, and uh, I mean, I, I saw the who in air quotes uh because two of them had died by the time I'd seen it <laughs> yeah. you know I, I saw doctor in Townsend um but you know it was still great still amazing and because uh, of the the legacy but I think you know i'd I'd rather have if if, if if I could choose one or the other i think I'd rather have um been kind of my dad who saw them you know, I think just after they changed from the high numbers, but before they'd had a hit single, you know, playing some tiny park in North Devon. I was like, if it was before or after, I think I'd still, I'd go for before. I'd love to know what that's like. Um, I'm with you. Um, you never know, do you at the time? That's the thing. You've got to take a punt on these things and suddenly go, oh my God, I remember seeing that band when they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have seen them in the heyday in the same way that I would have loved to have seen the Beatles when they were playing live. Not because... I would have preferred, you know, to hear them tour Sergeant Peppers, which of course they never did. Yeah. Um. But I would have loved to have seen the reaction yeah. of what was happening and pe- yeah. watching people respond to that music for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Must have been incredible. And the, the Who are not, you know, to be ruled out of that. Um. But yeah, my list of fe- live acts that I would have liked to have seen... Uh, would have included Paul Simon had I not already seen them. James yeah. Taylor, who we saw support Paul Simon. I mean,
0: how lucky! I, yeah, uh, w-
1: seeing that amount of legendary musicians, and we, you know, we're talking about some of the most incredible session musicians as well. Absolutely. Um, REM w- were phenomenal, um, supported by FIDA. Um One of my favourite live gigs was also Everything, Everything. Um, yeah, uh, you're h- saying- who, who again aren't particularly huge famous band but just excellent live musicians
0: yeah i mean they were for it. they were every other song on radio one when uh, yeah. uh that first album came out they'd be huge for a time weren't they um
1: yeah they're, they're a big um not
0: heard for anything from them for a while a big yeah.
1: band well the bassist um plays with Foles, so he's okay so they're never on tour at the same time right
0: okay it's yeah. really
1: confusing good. good um also bands that i've seen live uh can't go without mentioning this um the saturdays yep uh Scouting for Girls, yep. Tiny Temper, mm-hmm. and N-Dubs. Excellent. All fantastic Excellent. Um, trailblazing bands. Actually, Scouting for Girls, I Scouting for girls also is, got drunk with. Yeah. And they were lovely and totally understanding of where they are, were and what was, they were doing. Was that perchance at Fat Lills in Whitney? Do you know, it wasn't at was Fat Lils? It was um, a guy who used to be in a music executive for Virgin set up a record store called Rapture right. in Whitney. Right. Um, and he normally had kind of artists like Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly, okay. whatever, would come and do a little acoustic set in this tiny, tiny little market yeah. town yeah. in the record shop. Except Scouting for Girls, once the rumour came out that they were going to do it, the whole or every girl in town wanted to go and see them. <laughs> so they were like, okay, we're going to upgrade to a bigger venue. And they should have gone for Fat Lills, yeah. but they didn't. They went to the Cross Keys. Right <laughs> Now... <laughs> This is only for the benefit of you, Dave, because yeah. I don't think it, anyone else listening knows what the Cross oh, Keys is. Know. But it's just a very charmingly old-fashioned spit and sawdust pub. Yeah. I mean, Josh will probably be listening to this. So. That's a good point, Josh. You were there, um and also uh, you were there when they came back afterwards to have uh, some dinner and uh, a drink at the Hollybush. And I used to work at the Hollybush pub, mm-hmm. so they so they went to a different pub. Uh, than they played at. Yeah. And they were, yeah, telling us how hard it was because they just signed like a million pound deal and they were like, now we owe the record company a million pounds. We don't get any of that money until we paid them back. So we're now touring the UK and all we've got are per diems. We've wow. got zero in our bank account. We literally wow. just have enough money yeah. to eat what we're going to eat that day, whatever our manager's giving us. A few beers insane, afterwards. Yeah. And then we're put into the hotel that we're put into, which is a premier inn or yeah. whatever, B&B. Um, and, yeah, said it's weird because we've got two number ones at the moment, like a back-to-back. Yeah. With She's So Lovely and Alice Isn't Dead, and we've got no money and it's no idea what we're going to yeah. do next.
0: It's so crazy how the music industry works. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a, a great uh, documentary about, I think it's on Vice, maybe, something like that, about a um, uh, story some people might remember, of these two um, Scottish... Uh, rappers that pretended to be LA rappers. Oh, you were telling me about this. Huge. Very, very quickly, but kind of, it all unraveled very quickly because exactly that they didn't realise how they just thought oh yeah we'll get rich and then they were like we were we were poorer than we were when we were poor yeah now that we're famous and <laughs> and yeah and just how quickly all that money disappeared and yeah it's it's unbelievable
1: how but, many people are involved in how many people are, yeah and and your responsibility as yeah. an artist is sell a million pounds worth of records yeah and then you're on zero yeah and exactly. if you yeah. sell two million pounds worth then you're a millionaire yeah but yeah yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it doesn't yeah, yeah, go yeah. the way you want it to yeah, and for every successful musician who who does make that amount of money, there are ninety nine thousand other
0: yeah. who don't. So yeah,
1: yeah, tough. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, Eagles play live. Muse, everyone I know who have seen Muse yeah. play live say doesn't yeah. even matter if you don't like Muse, the best live band ever, hundred percent. Uh, Black Keys, uh, I love those. They just make a massive sound for T T yeah. guys. Um, Fleetwood Mac with the original lineup. I'm not interested in seeing, kind of. I say the original lineup, but that's not true either. What I want is Lindsay Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, yeah. Mick Fleetwood, um, John Mack and Christine. That's what I want.
0: Well you got against Neil Finn.
1: I love Neil Finn. I just don't <laughs> I want to see Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah, that's fair. I want to see him pouring his heart out in song form to yeah. Stevie Nicks and at the same time watching Stevie Nicks play the tambourine nonchalantly towards Lindsey Buckingham, he's pouring his heart out. Like he's mm-hmm. never getting over that woman. No. I want to see that psychodrama on stage. Mm-hmm. I need to. Um so Ben Folds I'd also like to see. But that was also mainly because of why music and why music ended up playing with Paul Simon. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I kinda got that. Um Queens of Stone Age, mm-hmm. Radiohead, all mm-hmm. bands I'd love to see live. But I do have a top three. Ready? No. Yep. Yeah. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yep. Yeah. Fiona Apple. Interesting mainly because I'm in love with her last album Fetch the Bolt Cutters if you haven't listened to Fetch the Bolt Cutters you don't know who Fiona Apple is until you've had this album what like it's amazing it's amazing Um, also written in isolation a year before lockdown happened and then locked out she released it and I was in lockdown so I was listening to a song about being cooped up while I was Um, uh, and then also Talking Heads slash Ed Byrne to be at one of those concerts live would be phenomenal (laughs)
0: did you say Ed Byrne? Um, David, David Byrne <laughs> heads. and also separately the comedian Ed Byrne <laughs> the comedian Ed Byrne yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm like, talking head, upset. but instead of David Byrne Ed, <laughs> Byrne Ed Byrne sings all the songs he sings all the songs right, yeah. right. I, I spent a lot of time in the same room as Ed Byrne uh, Edinburgh Fringe 2019 <laughs> yeah. in the assembly bar and he was always wearing a, a sequined blazer <laughs> which isn't which when I think about Ed Byrne isn't the thing I'd expect him to wear but he never behaved like someone wearing a sequin. But he behaved like someone not wearing a blazer at all, someone just wearing a nothing. No, no. <laughs> right, that's different. He, he no. behaved like a man who was wearing he nothing. He behaved like a man who a was ball. wearing normal clothes. He was clothes. naked. Just normal clothes. He had the confidence
1: of a naked man.
0: Well, maybe slightly. more yeah. More than the sort of. Confidence of a of a sequined man. <laughs> yeah. Se- confidence <laughs> of, confidence of a secret man uh was uh a, a album track uh on uh one of the early Smith's uh, albums. Um, <laughs> the confidence of a sequined, sequined man, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um uh funnily enough, those who follow the podcast, not a band uh I care about seeing live. Um so uh the, yeah i've got, i mean honorable mentions i we, we share quite a lot i mean absolutely nick cave and i think you and i need to just do that very quickly yeah. um sooner rather than later that uh, yeah uh, uh, it's I, important adore him and them and every live thing i've seen of theirs just blows me away on tv um so'd love to experience that in the flesh um i uh yeah I mean Do you know what I, like? There were bands that sprung to mind Where I was like I'm not even a massive fan of the band But I just think the live experience would be amazing Like um, Flaming Lips yeah. Just because of the stuff I've seen of that, just like feels like sort of like polyphonic spree. I'd love to see live just because yeah. they, they just look like crazy experiences to go and see these kind of bands like
1: Cigarros are a band like that for me. Cigarettes, yeah. I want to see yeah. everyone singing a made up Icelandic language of yeah. 20 musicians yeah. and making weird whale noises. That, I think yeah, it would yeah, be yeah.
0: wonderful live. Um, I, I wish I'd been there for the specific weird peter gabriel concert where he rides around on a little tricycle at one point and he's in a zorb ball at one point Mm -hmm. and it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen uh i would like to have been there for that um (laughs) but uh uh i i was lucky enough to see daphne and celeste at butlins so that's i know it's a big bucket listing for a lot of people to be honest Um, yeah so i'm glad that that uh, glad that I did that that's better than the Saturdays um,
1: although I did I forgot to name drop I did hold the door open for the Saturdays
0: all of them <laughs> no, they no. all was it like a cartoon where they all tried to squeeze through
1: the door at once <laughs> well they, no it was back at the, backstage at the O2 oh yeah and I was chaperoning some kids through because they'd done a, a, a Shakespeare schools festival thing that I was running right. um, and their reward was to go but they had to I don't know go to the loo or something so all the Saturdays were coming through the backstage corridor and it I took a double door thing and I had to hold the door open for them. And they were like, no, let the kids go through first. I was like, well, there's 20 of them. So you yeah. should probably go first. But yeah, there was a, a slight interaction.
0: Oh, that's nice. Frankie was there?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't really know which ones. Yeah. Wh- I didn't. Molly? Yeah. They gave a good show, though. Rochelle? That's, mm, I, I don't know if you're just making up names now. I
0: could be, couldn't I? You
1: could be. But I'm not. Um, sorry, that's an important thing that I had to say about it was myself. An important thing. Um, um
0: so yeah, uh and but I think my top three, uh my top three, so my three is absolutely talking heads. Um uh, but yeah, I mean uh stop making sense tour specifically. You've um, got to see that live. Yeah, right? Um absolutely. Uh my number two is uh Pink Floyd Circa Wish You Were oh, Here coming out. Oh yeah. Um and uh, my number one is obviously Prince. Um, and it's, yeah, gutting that I'm never going to get that. Uh, I think that year when everyone died, uh, that was the worst one for me purely because of that, because that was uh, always my dream um, to yeah. see him live. And yeah, that really sucks. Uh, but uh, wonderful, wonderful live performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about some, you know, we were talking about, you know, making making a live concert feels special for just those people there he was someone that did that every single time you know, you hear stories about people going you know uh, being in some tiny bar in minneapolis and at one in the morning suddenly prince gets up on stage and plays and he's not even advertised to be that you know just someone that loved that live element and loved surprising fans and 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 yeah you know came to london and played this tiny gig in like it's like a bookshop it was really weird um but but he'd go and do this all the time and um with jimmy fallon talking about him turning up and playing um I, it was it was the rap party after Kristen Wiig left snl oh, yeah um and and him kind of turning up unannounced and and yeah playing and getting lord michaels up to sing a song while he played guitar and, you know just yeah such a person that relished making these unique memorable moments yeah. um and no two concerts were the same uh so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely my, my top and um, always will be, but, um, so yeah, I, all my top three are impossible, uh, because one's Good. dead and two, uh, specific time periods that, um, have already happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. There we are, Tristan. I hope, uh, you feel satisfied. I hope we've s- satiated.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
1: but thank you so much for, yes. um introducing me to that whole concert
0: oh it's yeah, uh, a joy a joy to watch and thoroughly recommended see such consummate musical geniuses um have fun and, and yeah create something quite special i think um so yeah uh next week uh we will i know i said this last week but i got my uh calendars mixed up but uh next week we will be on to um moonlighting yes um and uh yes uh for sylvan and um, yeah we'll uh choosing one of those uh, episodes Um, so uh, in the meantime before we hit your earwaves again uh, you can get in touch with us on uh, Twitter at Macabre Podcaster you can find us on Facebook on fb.me forward slash Podcaster Macabre you can drop us an email podcastermacabre at gmail.com and you can of course like, share and subscribe to the Any Request podcast to Drone the Creek podcast to all the Podcaster Macabre oeuvre uh, on Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: In the meantime, I've been Callum Hughes. I've been David Shopland. Earwaves.
0: Do the walk of life.